Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. This is Jim Reamer recording episode 137. Joined by Kyler Staley, Prep Hoops Network and IU Rival, the IU Rivals, Rivals website, thehoosier.com. We both we both do a little work for that website, so that's it's good to have Kyler on again. Kyler, how was your week in California? It was great, man. Got I got to uh, spend some time with my best friend, watch him get married and everything. Uh, it's just a really beautiful place. Spent some time in San Francisco, which is a very, very cold uh, area, which kind of shocked me. But uh, it, the wedding was in Northern California, so it got a little bit warmer and stuff. But uh, it was a fun weekend uh, overall. Was it cold? How cold? Like, because it's their, their temperature is pretty moderate the whole year plus we're or talking minus like, a few stints like it was like high 50s it was cold <laughs> like, yeah, I, it was hot i told you the time i was out there we talked about this earlier i told you the time we were out there we were out there for the old depot draft so what would that have been 2014 something like that yeah yeah yeah, in June of 2014. It was the hottest summer they had had, or the hottest stretch that they'd had in 58 years. Wow! And we did. We didn't rent a car. I I did public transportation the whole way. We took the train down, which was was nice. I enjoyed it. I, I think the kids uh-huh. appreciated it. They 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 were going to be on campus because it was a camp at Stanford. I was going to be at, at a hotel in their little village, so I was right next to campus. But luckily, I rented a bike. I was at least able to cut through some of the heat and it was, it was, I mean, I, it was other than the temperature, like you said, it was, it's a pretty cool looking, it's a pretty cool part of the state up there. I like, yeah, the, the, I like the architecture. Yeah. Chinatown's really cool. We've, uh, we found a bar there and we just kind of hung out there for a little bit. It's a, it, it's definitely a culture shock. I mean, it's a lot different than being in Indiana. I will say that, but uh, it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty cool and got to, Got to see the Golden Gate Bridge. Got to see Alcatraz for a little bit, but uh, it's a very interesting place. I would definitely go back and check it out. Man, any any anytime I go to somewhere that has, anytime I go somewhere somewhat casually. I mean, I obviously most of the travel I do is for basketball, so usually got a pretty a good amount of purpose to what I'm doing. But anytime I go where I'm going to have a lot of my own time, I, I if if there's if they have a good rail system, I don't rent a car. Mm-hmm. especially with obviously the prominence now of Uber, things like Uber and Lyft. I don't, I don't rent a car anymore. I just take the train. And if there's some place I can't walk to that, that the train doesn't serve, then I just take an Uber and it's, you know, but you know, obviously for, for basketball, I got to have a vehicle uh, most of the time, mm-hmm. but we talked about it at, when we were in Atlanta playing, I left my car in the garage, the hotel garage and used the scooter. I used a scooter all week. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Okay. That was that was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. A we tough uh, for the ball bag, the <laughs> big ass ball yeah, we, bag that I have. But yeah, know, we we uh we just cool. walked mostly the whole time. Uh, we walked mostly the whole time, and then uh we uh the wedding was in Northern California, so we had to uh, do about an hour and a half drive, and we actually got upgraded to a uh, 2022 all black Mustang. So nice. that was that was fun to have for a weekend. Felt like a high roller uh so convertible. yeah was, was it a convertible it, yes it was we yeah. had the top down everything my my head got sunburnt really bad well but uh i was i was living life at that point 
Well, if you ever look real closely at my forehead, you can tell the how much I have my sunroof open, which is a lot because it's it's like a gradient goes from brown to <laughs> it goes from brown to normal to no, to not brown <laughs> to normal skin uh, to normal like like my normal color I should say um, as it goes across my forehead because I I just got my sunroof open constantly so unless it's oh, raining nice. my my sunroof is open if it's forty five degrees or higher and no 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 precipitation sunroof's open. I just, I can't, I love that thing being open the whole time. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's nice to have. Just, just turn the heater on if it gets too cold. So, <laughs> well, you didn't go to games this weekend. I, I saw some games, I guess if you have some questions about some of that stuff, you can, you can certainly ask me uh, the, we had the, the final event for the NY2 LA circuit. I was up in Milwaukee. Um, I spent a decent amount of time. I, I did get a chance to watch some Indiana teams, but I didn't see a whole lot new. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot. I saw a lot of tired kids gutting it out and finishing out the year. Um, and, and, you know, it was good. It was a lot of coaches were up there, which is, which was a good thing. But uh, we, we do have a topic. We have a couple of questions put to us that I, by a, by a listener. And I think we're going to address those after we get done with the recruiting stuff here. But let's go ahead and get that updated. I'll do that now. Uh, let's see. I, I think last week we we I published right as Jake Davis picked up an offer. So that makes it, it happens every week. As soon as I mm-hmm. publish, I mean, in, in two minutes, two offers came across after I published. And those two <laughs> offers, Jake Davis, forward from Cathedral, picked up a Division One offer from Campbell. He also picked up later in the week, or since then, I should say because it's really bled into yesterday, picked up offers from Navy and Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word is coached by Andrean alum and Purdue alum Carson Cunningham. Jace Howell, a point guard from Madison Grant, picked up um, an offer from Manchester. Caden Vasco, who is uh, reclassified uh, and is heading to Don Bosco or staying at Don Bosco Prep for an additional year. For post-grad year, picked up an offer from Akron. I did miss an earlier Jake Davis offer. He also picked up an offer from Army, so that's two offers from service academies. Uh, Devin Woods, point guard at Pike, seniors. All these are seniors except one. Uh, picked up uh, an offer from Franklin. Sean Arnold picked up a Division II offer from St. Thomas Aquinas in New York. Uh, assistant coach Matt Bax is out there. He is a, a Marion, Indiana uh, graduate, a high school graduate. Uh, J.J. Morris at Argos also picked up a, a, a an offer from Manchester. Oh, scratch that on the 2023. Antonio Lizenby. Um, well, let's get to him in a minute. Uh, let's see. Kamari Jones, uh, guard at uh, Lawrence Central, picked up an offer from Illinois Springfield. It's a Division II school in the GLVC. Joey Hart from Linton picked up another mid-major offer from Bowling Green. Amari Carson picked up an offer guard from Anderson from South Carolina State. And then Marcus Burton today, a couple hours ago, picked up an offer. Uh, the point guard from Penn picked up an offer from Notre Dame. So that would be his first set would sort of break the high major ceiling. Uh, we've got one sophomore who received an offer this week. Chase Barnes picked up an offer earlier today. He is a, uh, he's a 2025. He's an incoming sophomore from Fort Wayne. Picked up an offer from, from Western Michigan. And then our one commit was uh, 2022, actually, Antonio Lizenby, 
was had intended to take a post grad year, uh, but has got some good traction playing for Mac Irvin Fire on the EYBL circuit. Picked up an offer from Maine and committed. <laughs> he committed on the. It seemed like he committed on the spot because we did not have a reported offer from for him. From no. Maine. No, yeah, he he was he was a uh, I I remember looking earlier in the summer and I was really surprised there was no offers listed for him. But I mean, it's it's good that uh, it's good that he has that and he was able to commit because he was probably one of the last twenty twenty twos could have been the last one, um, at that level that was still waiting on you know an op- opportunity there. So I'm glad that he got that because he is a really talented post player. And I think a lot of it for him is. Is could he? I don't. You know, I didn't didn't get a chance to see him play the team he played with. Obviously, a team out of Chicago. Didn't uh-huh. we weren't we weren't in, in any of the same locations. Uh, there was an opportunity. And he wanted to play with us. Wanted to play with our group. You know, I remember his dad. His dad played in high school. I mean, I remember when his dad played at Ben Davis, and and so we go back in that regard a little bit. He, we they had a weekend off when we were playing. He wanted to play and. I extended the offer, but only if he finished the summer with us and, and he wasn't, he wasn't going to do that. So, but, you know, it was definitely always looking forward to seeing how he developed the face up game. You know, could he, could he be a guy that could drive from mid range and, and be involved more than just what he did at tech. And, and, you know, I think he's, he's got the athleticism to do it. He certainly has the body to do it. And what what has improved in, in his game lately has been not lately, but like the last two years, has been his motor and just his um, defensive awareness his, his his ability to, to impact plays and, and be a little bit of, a little bit of a, a rim protector at six, seven. So, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be curious to see, I don't know what his relationships was, was with the main coaches before these last few days, but you know, this is good for him. It's an opportunity and, and it's a beautiful part of the country. It's definitely different than what he's used to. <laughs> you know, we we all live in central Indiana. We all live in sort of a concrete jungle. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of scenery other than, you know, other than newer buildings and places like that. But, but uh, he's definitely going to, definitely going to see a different, different scenery up in Maine. So good opportunity yeah. for him. It is. It is. Yeah. Like I said, like he, I mean, I saw him a few times for Mac Irvin um, playing on the EYBL circuit, I believe. Um, and uh, I saw, yeah, I saw him a few times play and everything. I mean, he's just out there grinding and I, he did look a little bit better with his ball handling a um, little bit. It was, I mean, a little bit more freer offense where he can do a little bit more and stuff, but that is definitely, you know, the face up game is definitely something he's going to have to continue to improve on um, getting that mid range jumper at least at a consistent level and stuff. But, I mean, around the basket, he's super explosive. And like you mentioned, he's got the body to play underneath the basket. So, but it, I mean, Maine's a good opportunity for him, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't know much of what they do offensively, but but you you, you take a kid like Lizenby and if he'll screen, defend, and rebound, you know, the rest of it could come later. And those are mm-hmm. those are things that can happen and get, get you on the court early. Especially when you're as good as as you're, you're as, as good athletically as he is, if he can do those three things at the level they need it, then he's he'll have a chance to play early. Any anybody would have a chance to play early at that at that level, uh, you know. And then the offense maybe comes later. 
So, and I mean, he would be undersized as a true post player uh, at, at the at the Division One level, and and maybe not as much at a low Division One, but but certainly, certainly, you know, I mean, I think all these schools have dreams and goals of making the NCAA tournament and competing and being the next Cinderella story, so to speak. But but you know, if he could if he could transition to a little bit more versatility than what he showed at Tech. Uh, then he's he's got a chance to to be a difference maker athletically. So it's thoughts on Marcus Burton getting that Notre Dame offer. I mean, yeah, like like you, I think you mentioned this earlier. Um, kind of breaks that high major ceiling right mm-hmm. there. Um, it's a good offer for him. I know he had a visit today with them, and I mm-hmm. think they offered him right away on that visit. Um, I mean, yeah, he's. Uh, I feel like this was kind of a a long time count not not necessarily a long time coming but just kind of it was going to happen he was going to get that division one offer and everything um Notre Dame's a big one for him um I don't know exactly what Notre Dame is meaning offensively or defensively but obviously they see something in Marcus um to extend that offer but uh I mean good for him uh, he's a really talented player and he's really risen a stock over the past year so I mean it's good to see him break that kind of high major ceiling the issue with him will be will be um, the defensive end of the floor being being picked on because of his size. He's got the mm-hmm. quickness to handle it, you know, and he's not super long. You know, length length is a, a nice physical asset to have, but he is he is a kid that's extremely crafty with the ball. He's an improved shooter. And verbal commits doesn't even have him listed yet. They brought in a point guard. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have him listed yet as a, with a Notre Dame offer, I should say. They brought in a point guard this year, J.J. Starling. From from where? From Lalu. Oh, he, well, he played at Lalu Mare from New York. Okay. You can tell how much I pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> um, but he's a six-foot-four-inch Listed as a point guard, <clears throat> you know, I assume playing with, um, you know, playing with fears, I'm, I'm sure he, up there, I'm sure he played without the basketball quite a bit because we know the ball sticks with fears a lot. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but, you know, Burton, you know, he'll have a chance to go in there and if, if Starling can play off the ball, then he'll have a chance to go in there and and earn some minutes as a freshman. Uh, but he is a um, he's got the quickness. He definitely loves getting downhill. His shooting has improved a lot over the years. I just think the the question is going to be, you know, defensively is how how is he going to be able to get picked on defensively? Because that that'll definitely take place in big you know in ACC play where teams you know, are doing a, a vast majority of the scouting. So, yeah. Uh, Anything- I'm also curious to see, I'm also curious to see back to uh, Burton. Um, if this Notre Dame offers, is it going to open up more high majors to be willing to look at him? Yeah. Um, which is cu- curious to me. Well, there's always that chain reaction where one offer begets the other. Yeah. But he, he could also, you know, Notre Dame being, Right across the street from Mishawaki, he could also commit pretty quickly and, and shut that down. I don't know, you know, what the sense of urgency is there. Uh, you know, if they plan on, 
um, I hate to use the word wait because I actually I tell our guys never use that word if what you know what his process is but I know obviously all the all the mid-majors that had stepped up in this spring and summer now are probably you know fretting that his <laughs> his recruiting has jumped because for a while there the question was wouldn't would Burton get a would Burton get a Division One offer? We all kind of felt like he was a Division One player. Yeah, but the you know the question was was how high up? Let me get his recruiting here real quick with some of the dates. You know he didn't get his first Division One offer until March of this year. Mm-hmm. And that's not totally unusual. But you know Purdue, Fort Wayne, Ball State, Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio was in June. So, you know, that's Coach Steele. That's his – that's new coaching staff. Yep. You know, and then it was Missouri State, Southern Indiana, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, Appalachian State, Western Michigan, Drake, um, Illinois, Chicago, and, and now, boom, here comes Notre Dame. So, Which is a big jump. That's a big jump out of all the schools you just listed. It, it is, yeah. It definitely is. Um But hold on a second, let me go through here and change something while I'm, I'm going to change the Southern Illinois designation to Division One here while I'm thinking about it. <laughs> doing some doing some housekeeping as we go. Anything else stand out recruiting wise? Um, I, I this is kind of an underrated um kind of take right here, but I really like to see JJ Morris. I like to see him getting that Manchester offer. I've always been a big fan of JJ. I feel like he's been kind of an underrated player in the state. Um I like the way he plays. I like his style. He's been kind of the main guy for Argos for a long time. Um have gotten to know his family quite a bit the last couple of years. Um and I know how bad he wants, you know, to play at that next level and he works extremely hard. Um, he's kind of a, a versatile forward, can kind of plays plays the post, play can play the wing. Um, got an improving jumper, um, especially from the outside. But uh, it's good to see him get on the board. I'm hoping he starts getting more offers um, like that soon. Yeah, he reminds me a little of Tyson Good at Lewis Cass, and that for their school teams, That's a they good both, comparison. They both do a lot of ball handling, and and obviously that diminishes as they get away from their school team more. So that's. It's the function of being at a smaller school. You you've got to kind of be the guy to, not not to do it all, but certainly to do a lot of it. Jake Davis picking up a little bit more steam at the Division One level. That's sort of been something we've been preaching for a while. Mm-hmm. I I still think the things he does well translate, like we said, defense, rebounding, screening. I mean, he can do those things at a high level, and and he definitely can defend multiple positions, and, and you know even. Even much bigger guys in a switch situation. If he got caught in a switch, he wouldn't. It wouldn't be an easy. It wouldn't be an easy out for the offense. That's for sure. Anything else before we move on to these questions? Um, I don't see anything. Obviously, Joey Hart continues to pick up offers. It seems like to me, it seems like it's once a week he gets a new offer. Right. Um, at the mid major, low major level. Um, I mean, he's got a ton of all. He has to have. Probably what, like 15 offers at this let's, point? Let's check it out. Obviously, I feel like these schools coming in are a little bit too late because I feel like he's probably got some schools that he kind of sees him as a kind of a top tier 
Um, I don't know exactly when he's looking to commit, but uh, but it's just it, it's just crazy. He's got 18 offers. Wow, good for him. You know, and you can so we you know we talked about Joey. We talked about Marcus Burton getting his first offer in March. Joey picked up his first offer in June of 2020 from Indiana <laughs> wow. State. Now that was that was a previous coaching staff, but yeah. but I know they have since reiterated their offer. So we just we didn't really we didn't really do anything to change the dates of what he's got. But yeah, but you know you look at Missouri Valley right now is probably the best. Well, I mean Northwestern. I I'd be curious to see where that Northwestern offer where that offer resides. Um, it was a year ago, so it was last mm-hmm. summer. It was his third offer. Uh, he, you know, that it's that's his only high major offer, which is, you know, we've all I thought you know Zach and I have always kind of felt like he was on the cusp of, is he a high major? Is he a mid major? He's kind of that guy that, you know, was going to go either direction with it, but, but that's been his only one so far. I'm, I'm anxious. To, I'm curious to see what the um, what what the differentiation is between some of these schools. So, and and if any of these newer ones, especially since April, I mean, he has picked up the bulk of them. Yeah, since April. But you look at Loyola. That was that was last October. Wichita State was last October. Ball State, of course, has since picked up a new coaching staff. But again, I think that they have reiterated his offer. Uh, you know, so you look at looking at though, and and they all have a chance to form, you know, a good relationship with him, since they're pretty new uh, in, into his recruiting cycle. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm I'm anxious to see with some of these more recent ones how far they get down the list or how far they make it in his process. Um, I know for a while there, Loyola was looking pretty good was was looking pretty good in, in their camp but i don't yeah. know if anything or, or what has changed since then um yeah that's, and if i'm ball a... state yeah if i'm if i'm ball state or indiana state i would be making him one of my top priorities to mm-hmm. keep in the state um especially indiana state with the coaching staff that they have in they haven't really i mean he's granted he's only had one year um under the helmet isu but i mean he's he seems to me he's not really making Indiana kids a priority at this point. Um, and getting Joey Hart, that would be a great pickup for him just because it brings the state in a little bit. And it would keep Joey Hart home and stuff. And he would Hart would come in right away and he would get some playing time at that level. And like it's kind of the same with Ball State. Um, I think he'd come in and get some good minutes right away. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if I'm Ball State and Indiana State, I'm – I'm looking at Joey Hart and I'm trying to get him to commit. Yeah. The current coaching staff, they've offered, they've offered Sam Orm. They, they got, they tried to get involved with Ryan Conwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were involved with Jackson Edwards and then they have an offer now. Well, they had an offer to Jack Benner. Of course he committed to Purdue. So, um, yeah, so they're, yeah, they're pretty thin in state. They're, they're pretty thin in state, but I mean, look, they've only had 15 offers. They've only had 15 offers to Indiana kids since October 2018. So yeah. they're, not to- they're not tossing them around like candy. Actually, that's not a- that's not true. It's 16 offers. 
two of them were commits to previous coaching staff. Brett Bosley was a, a walk-on commit. And the other one was Kimari Peterson. So, who I think yeah. he's tra- transferred out. But And, jo- and Joey Hart's uh, old teammate, Lincoln Hill, was originally yeah. committed to Indiana State. Other right. than that kind of, once the coaching, once Lansing left, you know, coaching staff kind of don't know, really know what happened there. But uh, he did not end up going to Indiana State, which is kind of a ironic situation when you think of Joey Hart's situation. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get the hail. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see him at that level. You no. know, I was kind of I was kind of surprised and you know I was thinking well maybe he's a better athlete than what I than what I had known or heard. And obviously in going over to see Joey, there was athletically there's just not much comparison. So it was right. I, I was surprised that that happened. But all right, let's get to these let's get to these couple questions. So we, we definitely will take input from listeners on what they want us to talk about, especially in these this little gap here where there's not going to be a whole lot going on. Uh, so this first question is is great because obviously you're part of one of these camps, so you could talk a little bit about it. Um, I, I've got my opinion on camps that I feel like I'm pretty outspoken on. Um, but you know, this, this fits in. So here's the question. The, they've heard us talk about camps. And so that's what he said first. And is in this week's pod, you referenced the upcoming top 100 and top 250 camps. That was, that was last week's podcast. Uh, let's see. He also noted that I noted a camp a few weeks ago that would be good to attend. And I think it was a college, like elite camp text. I think it was the university of Indianapolis camp. The question is, what are good camps to attend and what are not good camps to attend where where the paying might not be worthwhile? And he asked us if we could give a couple of examples of, of good ones. And I I do I do think that the, the top 50, the, the prep hoops top 50 is a good camp, especially for the more unheralded kids in, uh-huh. in the state, because I think Obviously, you guys with Brandon Ramsey do a good job of covering those kids. Uh, and the one thing that I would say is some of these families chase camps across the Midwest and, and even some that have been housed here in Indianapolis by out-of-towners or out-of-staters, to be more specific, is, first of all, when, when college coaches aren't going to be necessarily and and i say like when i guess when i I say college coaches i guess sometimes i do mean d1 coaches i i I do get a little i do get a little myopic in that regard because that's all these kids are dreaming to play there at that level and that's when we talk about exposure that's what we mean by exposure And, and i know that obviously as much as anybody doing this for 32 years that there's a lot of money in basketball to be offered to kids for scholarships so so I do sort of contradict myself sometimes, but, and I know that there are non D one coaches at these camps, just like there's non D one coaches at my fall league. Uh, but I don't put first and foremost exposure, you know, in, in our literature, I do talk about that. We do have some college coaches there and specify that it's non D one college coaches. Uh, but a lot of times I think <laughs> they get more exposure to AAU coaches than they do to college coaches. 
but what I like about the top 50, what I like about the stuff that you guys do, and I'm sure it's the same in, in other states, is, is spend your money in two places. You spend your money in places where, first of all, you think it might be worth a day of basketball or whatever time you're being spent there. There was this camp that's being advertised that's $189 for four hours. And that's to me, that was ridiculous. And there's no way in the world that's worth it because there's nothing – there's no amount of exposure. I mean, there's just, it was silly. And, but the preps hoops camps, you know, those are well-run camps. Those are, those are competitive camps. They're organized that you guys do a good job of getting the, getting the players in there. So it's not just, it might be sort of, you know, anybody can sign up for it, but at the same time, you guys are also doing a lot of work targeting kids and trying to get them in, which is no different than what I do for my fall league. So the value is there from a money perspective. And the other thing that I say that, that you should worry about or, or that you should focus on if you're trying to figure out these camps, and then I'll let you speak on it, of course, is put your money in, into the people who are, who are going to invest their time into you during your school season. You know, don't, don't, don't give your money to somebody who just shows up once a year and runs a camp, you know, give your money to the people who are going to go to your games or going to watch your games live stream or, or are going to help make a specific trip to watch your kid play, you know, because that's their job, you know, and that's where I think guys like you, I think guys like, and I would say the same thing about subscribing to websites, guys like you guys, guys like Trevor Andershock site, my website, you know, we're in the gym. I'm in a gym four nights a week sometimes five watching basketball during the school season. Um, you guys are in there. I don't, I would say, I don't know too many people that go to more games than I do, but you guys are in the gym three or four nights a week too. And w- without question, and, and you guys do a good job of covering the state. So that's where you should put your money because they're going to put the time into your kid to watch them play, to report about them. And, and we may not all, have the same idea on who we should focus on from, from a reporting standpoint. But the bottom line is, is that you don't want to pace. You don't want to go to some camp where the guy just shows up once a year to run the camp and collect your money, put your money into the camps where guys like Kyler and Trevor and Brandon Ramsey and, and, and Zach, my, you know, Zach Tyler for us and myself are going to, and I, and I know it sounds a little self-serving, but, but at the same time, we're going to be in the gyms throughout the year watching games played. Yeah. I mean, the top 250, I think, you know, when it gets to the fall and the, you know, the end of the AAU season and stuff, I think it's one of the best camps in the state simply because, I mean, there's one word that you can describe this event and it's, it's, it's exposure. Um, I mean, like you just mentioned, you've got Brandon, you've got myself, you've got you, Trevor, so many people that are there to watch you play and everything to give evaluations and stuff you know especially with the top 250 we coming into this we've seen these kids multiple times and stuff and we can take past evaluations okay did they improve on such and such did they improve on shooting then we can kind of you know give an updated evaluation on that um and i think another big thing is you build connections at these camps parents have an opportunity to build connections with us um us writers us scouts um you know in a way if we want to, if they have questions about, you know, the recruiting process and things like that, 
um, it's a perfect place to do that. I'm always willing to talk to a parent um, and stuff like that. Just talk to them, you know, what college coaches are looking for, um, kind of use my connections in a way to help them out. Um, and then you've got, you know, these this top 250, of course, will have as big of names as we can possibly have on this. Um, there will be some D1 players and things like that. But, I mean, this event is mostly for, you know, the D2, the D3s, the NAIAs, the JUCOs and stuff. It, it allows the, those lower-level coaches to be there to watch these kids in a really good competitive camp. Um, there's, I mean, especially when you get in the camps kind of in the central Indiana location, you really can't go wrong with a lot of them just because that's most of the time you'll see guys like myself that are in the gym constantly, especially throughout the high school, um, high school season, you know, that are watching you that are, you know, going out of their way to watch you and see if, how, how you're doing in that way. Um, we do a good job with these camps. We always get, you know, we might not have the top 250 uh, players in these camps, but we've got nearly all, almost all of them. Um, it's just real competitive. You get really good exposure that way. Um, and you get to build connections. What I like is the, is the freshman camp. That to me yeah. is the, the no brainer one. That to me is the, cause it's the, it's a great way for them to be introduced. Well, to, to yours, obviously to your, to your website and, a, and also a good way to be introduced to, you know, people like, us who go to these things and, and watch kids and, and start to put together names and figuring out who we think is good and who, you know, not that who we don't think is good, but, but certainly there are some that we like better than others. And the, the top freshman camp, I, there haven't been too many misses on that camp, other than maybe an injury or two uh, of kids who should be there who aren't right. It's the, I mean, mm -hmm. I've, I've not, I mean, I've not really seen nothing in my mind ever stands out year to year as much as Eric. I know Eric start Eric Gardner started that camp and and you know, I'm always someone that will send him names to go after because it, you know, just because I hear things through through different channels as well. And I, you know, I'm still sending him names. So it's 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 a it's a group effort because I, I want to see some of these guys compete against other kids too. I want to see them compete against some of the other top players in their class that that's my favorite one yeah i uh i love the freshman camp i think it, it out of all the camps that we do i think that is the best one just because simply i get to see you i get to see all these kids for the first time mm -hmm. um i get to give i get a good base evaluation on every single kid and what's great about that is our site specifically we have an evaluation on every single player there so it is worth that we all see them at least twice you know during that camp play um and it's something that we can build off when we're giving evaluations and we're scouting them you know as our high school career continues um but no it's just that's another one where you build a connection right off the bat at a very early stage too um you know get some get your name out there i mean i highly recommend it um if you're a parent out there that has um you know incoming freshmen i highly recommend this camp um it's just a great way for guys like us to see you for the first time and to get a name and a face put together. Um, great, great opportunity there. And what's different with the freshman camp is, is it's a little bit more exclusive. It's not invitation only, but it, it, it is invitation, but there's also a lot of coaching references, a lot of coaching reference make, you know, that, that get made. 
you know, you should go look at, you know, you should go get this kid in and then boom, that kid gets in. So it's, it's not come one, come all, but it definitely is, is um, a little bit more targeted than what all the breadth of the 250 camp is. So that that's, that's one thing I have, um, <laughs> I've liked about it. And I think we talked about the top 100. They probably meant the top 100 with the I, the IBCA class, the IBCA camp. Yeah. That is a that is kind of a different animal because it is run by the school coaches. Uh, they go through a nominations process. They go through, they go through. Um, it's probably the one area that's that's it's probably as political of a process as you can get because there's there's definitely some kids there that don't belong, and in in lieu of others, and and sometimes we don't know if it's other kids got invited and, and weren't able to come or just didn't get invited. Uh, but you know, like we had that little situation this year where two kids from a team that won two games were at the camp and it's like, how, right. You know, let's come on. We, we need, there needs to be some, there needs to be a different level unless both of them or one of them was hurt all year. And maybe they were, and I just didn't know, but a, a team that wins two games shouldn't have two kids <laughs> in, in an all-star camp. Not not if we're to be taking that whole taking the whole process seriously. Right. I, just, I can't beat that drum enough. So that's just I mean, that's just how I feel. I won't I won't waver from it. I, I think at some point winning matters. And if you're taking kids off teams that don't win, then I think you're sending the wrong message as to what yeah. you're what you're trying to do. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. The top 100, it's a good camp and everything, especially when there's a live parade involved, which there normally is. Um, yes. kind of the division, the division one coaches are there. Um, you know, they have some other, you know, other low level coaches there as well and everything, but yeah, I'm, I agree with you on the winning thing. Um, you know, it's kind of bad when I can look at those kids, I'm like, why are they there? And then I can rattle off five names that I think should be there. Oh, in a um, in a, in a, of, yeah. In a minute. And it, yeah. and again, that's a different process. They, that's definitely an exclusive camp that is designed yes. to be an exclusive camp. It is a lot like it's tighter than what even the, your, the freshman camp that you guys run is it's, it is, it's a multi-tiered process run by coaches and look, they're, they're not, they're all, I mean, they're not, they're well-intentioned, but sometimes the intention is, is yeah, you, you help me get my guy in. I'll help you get your guy in. Mm-hmm. And I just, like I said, I just beat that drum to death. If it, you know, if it ha- continues to happen, where you just get, I mean, it'd been fine. Maybe if you get one guy in, but not. Come on, not two. Especially right. when, especially when the school in your conference doesn't get its best returning player in the camp. <laughs> yeah, I'm not naming names right now. We've already, <laughs> we've already gone down this thing. We've already gone down this path. But yeah, the the, the team that won your conference, the team that. Get, gets in the same number of teams that, with the team that has two wins. So anyway, yeah, so th- those are my, I think to me that to really parse it down, to answer the question just directly is, is spend your money in two places or, or for two reasons. One, you think it's a good value. And two, it's with people who on the back end invest their time and resources into your kid later. Uh, which is, is, is not is just in going to games and doing the writing 
and in talking about them, the college coaches, you know, and I don't, and I don't begrudge anybody having a business model where they're running camps all over different places. I used to, I helped one of my assistants helped or worked for a camp that we ran it and he ran it in five different States. And he was a young kid. He didn't know how to run a camp. So I, he paid me to help him and they were promising exposure. And as I sat at this camp, because I emailed all the coaches I knew that were in the area. And as I sat at this camp, it was, we were in, we were, we were in uh, near Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, in Wilmington, in Wilmington, Ohio. We were in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, there was one in Chicago, joy of the game. People I know pretty well through AAU connections. And then there was one somewhere I couldn't go to. It may have been one in Kentucky. I can't remember. And then we had the Indiana one. Now the Indiana one, sure. We could talk a little bit about exposure because I knew those kids. We had, I think we had Trevor down there for that one. He knew those kids. Uh, that one made a lot of sense for those guys, but we were in Detroit, Michigan. And I'm thinking we're running a camp and we're, we're praising it, the, the exposure for this camp. And the exposure is to me. <laughs> and I didn't know three of them. I didn't know who any of them were. You know, I was asking parents, what's this kid's name? What's that kid's name? Because it's because the people running the people that were actually taking the information didn't do a great job of assigning numbers. So it was yeah. kind of potlucking on the fly. And you know, luckily the fall league training, you know, I've been doing that for a long time, gave me the ability to, you know, quickly throw something together numbers wise. But it was I felt bad. I mean, we, we put in the work. We put, we definitely put in the work and, and Matt Brown, who's now a high school coach, a successful high school coach in, in North, in North Carolina, he did it. He did as good a job as possible. And, you know, it was, but the exposure element, those kids just paid money to get a day of basketball. I can only tell you, I can only tell you three names from those camps. And all three of them were named Lindsey Hunter, Lindsey Hunter, the second Lindsey Hunter, the third and Lindsey Hunter, the fourth. Wow. Yep. <laughs> he um, was very, and Lindsey was there. He was good to hang out with. It was cool. <laughs> he, he basically he two different moms and, and he was doing the George Foreman thing, I guess, where he just named everybody after him. That's, Crazy. A, that's a good story. He was a good <laughs> hang. I, I do appreciate that. He was a good hang, you know, and, and, you know, he wasn't on those bad boy teams, but he was definitely on some good Detroit Pistons teams. And yeah, you know, he, two of his kids were really good. The other one was eh, not so much, but yeah, that was, I mean, that those kids basically just paid for a day of basketball and, and that's fine if you can afford it, but it's, it's not cool if you can't afford it. And you're you're scraping pennies together to do that because you think your kid's going to get something out of it more than just that. So so spend your money where you think it's worth it. It's the value for your money, and and spend the money on the people who are going to invest back into your kid. Those are the those are the two angles I go with it. It's great. It's way better if it's the latter of those two, because like I said, guys like Kyler, guys like Brandon Ramsey, Trevor Andershock, myself, Zach Tyler. Um, we're going to put the time back into your kids by watching them. Even if sometimes our writing isn't always a hundred percent glowing, you know, it's always going to be constructive 
and it's it's always going to be it's always going to be with an eye toward improvement or or an eye toward what they do well so anything else you want to add to that before we go to the next one i mean going back to camps and stuff when you're looking at camps try to find ones that have a proven track record um you know we don't really do a whole um we're not we don't do a bad job about when there's in-state camps at least brandon's there i mean as far as the parapet guys i mean jim's there like we we've got people that are constantly at these in-state camps and stuff. So in the state of Indiana, you don't have to worry too much about it. Um, I recommend, you know, going to the college camps as well. Yes. Um, yeah. I guess we should have talked more about that. Yeah. Like the, um, the college elite camps, the prospect camps that, especially the ones that are put out on social media, some of them, I didn't mean to step on your point there, but no, you're good. I, I probably got off track and, and forgot to mention that stuff. Because a lot of these camps, you know, they are, but they they do try to, the D1s especially do try to target kids. Indianapolis does try to target kids. But then they put it out on social media. And anytime one of those guys asks me to retweet it, I do. Mm-hmm. I'll, re- I'll always retweet camp information when I'm asked to do it because I appreciate when they ret- when they retweet or, or, or somehow pass along my fall league information. But they, um, so like University of Indianapolis is going to have a camp coming up. They've, they've asked me to retweet that. So I think we can talk about that here. And, and a lot of those, and by rule, those have to be listed on the NCAA site on their, I'm sorry, on their, their school's website, their, um, their athletics website. So you can always go to a, a, an athletic team's website and, and check for camps because it, they are by rule, especially the NCAA schools uh, required to post uh, before uh, before the camp is before the camp is held. So go ahead, finish your point. I'm sorry, I stepped on it. Which no, I'm pro. I was just no. That was I mean that's basically exactly what I was where I was going. That I mean you can't go wrong with those camps there. Um, and then back to your point of like you know if you don't have money if if you really are scraping, um, you know nickels and dimes to go to these camps and everything, always feel free to reach out to you know one of us or something like that, and we can give you try to at the best give you um the information on whether it's worth it or not and like there's also other ways like if if, if a family can't afford to get a kid into a camp or whatever there's also other ways to exposure i mean the high school season is a great way to do that that's that's kind of a free of charge type of thing um Mm. to do that i mean camps aren't make or break but they are there are ones out there that are really helpful especially these in-state ones the top 250 expo um, the top 100, if your players is good enough, if your kid's good enough to compete in that, um, there are great events out there. And even the college, you know, college camps and stuff. I mean, we have guys that go there, um, to scout and, you know, to cover, um, as well. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good ones out there. There are a few ones that are kind of iffy, um, but, you know, feel free to, you know, get familiar with guys like Jim, guys like me, um, guys like Brandon, you know, get familiar with those people and, you know, I know I can speak for myself at least like I'm never hesitant to help a parent out or help a family out or help a player out um, with any information as far as camps you know recruiting or anything like that so yeah just be aware of like the surroundings and stuff Um, do your research and honestly just just see if they have a proven track record on having good exposure Mm -hmm. second second topic we've, we've been asked to discuss is social media use by players and parents he said, especially when they tag guys like us or other evaluators. The question is, is this beneficial for exposure of the player? And is there more information that is more helpful than less helpful 
example, highlight real versus stats. Um, I'll start here. In general, I tell parents to stay away from social media. <laughs> I tell parents <laughs> to stay away from internet websites. The, the big thing before Twitter became really prevalent was obviously getting on bulletin boards and forums and things like that. Because any any you, all every parent goes out looking for praise. They go out looking for what are the nice, you know, my son had a great game. What are the nice things people are saying about my son? The problem is, and I think it's gotten a little bit better because I think we've done a good job of self-checking trolls, so to speak. But but for every but for every time someone says something positive, there's probably two or three people who will say something negative. You know, and they'll say like, oh, that kid sucks or he's not as good. He's overrated, blah, blah, blah. And they're usually they're usually very anonymous and they're usually almost always extremely irrelevant to anything that you're you're trying to accomplish. And and, you know, every now and then I, I'll get a note from a parent saying, hey, did you see what someone someone wrote on on Twitter? And there'll be someone who's just kind of being an ass and not constructive at all. And there have been a couple of times where I've said, look, that it's true. <laughs> you know, this is, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's right. Uh, it's, you know, but, you know, it's because there's, look, constructive criticism is valuable tool for improvement. But the, the social media stuff, I just would stay away from it from a reading perspective. From a writing perspective and from a posting perspective, I don't think there's anything that's, that's, um, harmful in posting your kids' stats from a game. I would, I would avoid tagging people that don't follow you. I would avoid, um, I would avoid DMing people who don't follow you. Although my DMs are always my DMs, I keep my DMs open. Yeah. I, I would avoid DMing people who don't follow you solely for the purpose of sending out stats and stuff. We we will find them. Like we will we'll be following your high school, your high school team site or your high school team's account, and they and if they retweet it, or they they post something from a game, that's where we'll see. I think we take more from it. I take more from it when I see it coming from the coach. You know when I see. Like me, I don't post a lot of my team stuff, a lot of my individual stuff throughout the spring and summer. I let them do it, and then I retweet it. Or someone like you, Kyler, if you write about our guys, I will retweet that every time. Because I run the I run the risk of, and it is a you know I you know oh, I write so much more about this kid or that kid you know, and I just eliminate it altogether by by I make sure I see what's being written about our guys. And then I retweet that even some of the, you know, even some of it, that's not always a hundred percent rosy, but you know, we, we get, I know you want parents, want people to know who their kids are, but there's also this notion of oversaturation where um, you're, you're not really doing much uh, because we just, I, I know sometimes I just pass it up, especially the DM stuff. I, I just blow by it because it's, 
I, I worry more about what comes across the feed because that's who I follow. That's, that's where I go with it. Um, if now, if I see a question being asked of me, I certainly address it, you know, every instance, but stuff that are just coming across my feet, coming across my DMS. Um, Hey, check this kid out. And the, the, the one that's kind of a, I wouldn't take it so far as a pet peeve, but the one that's amusing is the one where the parent acts like a reporter. Yeah. And they're reporting their kid stuff as if there's some objective third party. And we just know they're not. Right. You know, and that's, we, we've seen that game. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like they're trying to fool people into thinking that somebody's writing about their kid when really it's just dad or mom. But, but yeah. I have no problem posting, hey, this is my son. Here's what he did tonight, blah, blah, blah. I just wouldn't try to make it up like you're some objective third party. I guess that's where I would go with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, me, I come up from a different generation, obviously, like you do and everything. I mean, I grew up Twitter, like in high school, Twitter was brand new um, and everything like that. But as I've grown into this role um, of media and everything like that, I've learned how, how good of a tool Twitter can be. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of some there, is there some do's and don'ts. Um, if we're going to talk about parents specifically, I'm not a big fan of the constant spamming of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tagging people, you know, guys like, I mean, I see it all the time. It's always in my notifications. It'll be a parent. Uh, you know, my kid had blah, blah, blah points and stuff like that. And they'll tag every single media guy out there. Um, that's kind of in our media circle. And, you know, I constantly get those messages and stuff. And we talk, and we talk about it with each other. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, it's okay. I can understand if he has a phenomenal game and stuff like that. But I don't need to know that that kid scored 10 points and stuff like that. I just don't need to know that. I mean, great, good for you and stuff. But, like, you know, the right opportunity would come for me to see that player. Um, and then go into the DM part and stuff. Like you, if there's a question that a parent has um, and they want to reach out to me via DM, you know, on Twitter. Twitter is the main one that I use, um, which I think all of us use. I don't use Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that for basketball purposes. I kind of leave that into like a kind of a personal situation. But anyway, you know, a DM from a parent, if they have a question about something, you know, uh, or they want to let me know, you know, a certain thing, I'm, I'm okay with that and stuff like that. But, you know, sending me stats and highlights of your player and of your son and things like that. Like, I, I don't really care for that. I'm just going to kind of, you know, give it the thumbs up or something like that. Um, and then kind of move on. Um, there really is no nothing like with that. I don't, I think parents oftentimes get a little bit confused because they think that, um, you know, they're going to see a video or something like that. And they're going to expect us to write an article or a story or something like that on that player, you know, using that on film. I think that's a lot of misrepresentation with prep hoops. They see all these player evaluations and these type of articles that they do, we do and things like that. Like, I think they just expect us to, you know, stop what we're doing in a way and write write an article or something like that. Now, I am good about um, if I'm tagged into something, I am good about at least, you know, hitting that like button on those. Now, I won't retweet a bunch of things. I'm very particular in the stuff that I retweet. But, you know, I see no problem with me giving them a like or something like that, um, especially, you know, if it is a parent, it just depends on the situation, um, you know. I'm big on like, 
you know, if the athletic department or the high school Twitter accounts or the coaches or whatever want to tag me on stuff, I'll instantly, I'll always give that a like mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, when you're constantly spamming me, if you're a particular parent that constantly spams us and stuff, I don't, it just gets annoying at that point. Um, we just don't need to know every single game and things like that. But, I mean, that's just kind of my thoughts with that and social media. I love it as a tool. Um, but parents just got to kind of watch with the do's and don'ts of how to use Twitter. Yeah, I would just, yeah, I would go back to just be real. Don't, yeah, you know, just act like, again, don't act like you're an objective third party. Like you're reporting something that you saw, you know, you're, you're, you're a parent, be a parent. And there's nothing wrong with using social media. You just got to expect, you know, you've got to expect the, the, the pitfalls of it too. They're, the, the scale may be tipped to more positive people than negative people than what it used to be, but, but it's not all going to be positive, you know, and it's not all going to be uh sunshine and roses, but, but so that I would just be wary of that when you're, when you're putting stuff out there, but, and going back to what you said about the highlights, cause that was part of the question too. We're in this edit highlight video culture now which is fun it's entertainment and it's it's memories the highlight reel i mean you know parents took you know we've taken pictures you know since they came out with the insta camera back in the back in the late 50s you know so taking a picture is no different of a memory than getting a highlight you know getting a highlight video or or something and but but as a recruiting tool I don't know of any time where I've ever heard a college coach say he was influenced by a, um, by a highlight video. <laughs> there might be an instance where I may like, Hey, who's that? You know, because a lot of these guys um, who do a great job, you know, we're going to have a video guy this year, put together highlight packages for the league, for the fall league, like, uh, like a weekly, like a weekly thing. I hope that's the plan at least. Yeah. And then we've got in the gym hoops, they're there, they're taking orders from families and, and that want highlights and things like that. But I view that as, as you're paying for a service to, to get a memory of your child playing basketball and a, and a well-produced memory at that. But, but there is no, there is very little exposure value to it. College coaches want whole games. They want whole games or they want whole stretches. Uh, they want they want to see. Now, Huddle has created a situation like with Synergy that colleges and NBA teams have. Huddle will clip things possession by possession. They want to see every possession. They don't want to see the, just the good stuff. They want to see the misses. They want to see the turnovers. They want to see everything because they're going to go to your school coach and they're going to get it anyway. They're not, they're not going to make decisions based on highlight reels. Um, and that's just, that's just a fact. So you do those things because you want the memories. You do those things because, I mean, they are kind of cool, especially if you like the music and which I do. Um, it's, it's nice. And I do, (laughs) I, when I have school, when I've been a school coach, I haven't coached school ball in a while just because it's, it's too tiring to do both but we put together film packages after every game 
and you know there was good offense bad offense good defense bad defense good off or good transition bad transition and then we did like a little blooper reel for every game which that was kind of fun and you know so i did some editing there and, and enjoy that process and i do some editing just in general professionally but not on the basketball front but the the highlight stuff can be fun because it's it is well produced and and these guys that have have really up their up their ante in terms of production value but it's still not a recruiting tool so just in our that's our opinion and I, I think it's backed up by coaches they want to see whole games so I, I would I would stay away thinking it's going to be hey I'm going to put a highlight here on Twitter and it's going to turn some heads and everybody and you know, the only thing it's going to do is it, it might make a guy like me text a high school coach about a kid I didn't know and say, Hey, what's the story on this? And that coach might be like, yeah, it's only four shots. He's made in three games, you know, you know, and you could, you could make yourself look pretty good. You know, when you, when you do it like that. Um, but that's, that's the only thing with the video stuff is just making sure that it's um, that you understand that the college coaching aspect, they, they want whole games. They don't want just highlight stuff because there's no misses in highlight reels. And that's just not realistic. That's just not realistic. And especially if you're not a division one player. I mean, I know social media, you see all the time, you see guys like Xavier Booker have these really cool highlight reels and stuff like that. I mean, those are just going to get made without Xavier Booker even knowing about them. I mean, basically that's what it is. And like, I'm not a big fan of, you know, paying for a service. Like, it's not a recruiting tool. Like you just said, it's not, and I'm not a big fan of, you know, kind of a division two and down player um, create, you know, paying a service to have highlights put together and stuff. It's very easy to create those yourself nowadays. I mean, my, like when my brother was being, uh, you know, he was looking for a school to play um, after high school. I mean, he ended up at Rockford and stuff. My Pat ball, who was 65 years old, he figured out a way to put huddle videos and stuff together. I mean, it's just it's it's never gone it's not gonna hurt you to make a highlight video it'll never hurt you but it's certainly just not it's not gonna be that extra like ooh, like boost or whatever like for me personally with my writing evaluations and stuff i mean i don't really sugarcoat a whole lot of things and stuff i will say the stuff that you did bad and that you worked on and stuff i will never write an evaluation based off of a highlight video where i see you make four threes and you know stuff like that like that's just something that I'm not going to do um, in general. It's just being in the media and stuff, but I mean, highlight videos, it is what it is. My opinion, don't pay for a service to do that. Cause it's just not going to, it's not, it's not going to hurt you, but it's not going to you know give you that recruiting exposure that you think it might. Right. And, and that's the key differentiation is the recruiting exposure stuff that because you've got, look, you've got, you've got Felix Rogers, who for my money is the best in the game into gym hoops. You know, you talked about, you know, you've got Jeremiah Bustle who used to work with Felix who now does his own thing. And you've got, and you've got a couple of these other kids that have popped up. I think what one of them is, who's the kid from Westfield drew, is that his name? But um, they obviously, they put a lot of production value into it. Making the highlight videos you see, there are not the things you draw from huddle. The things mm-hmm. you draw from huddle are the, the cameras that are set at mid court, you know, that, that go side to side from, you know, from a top angle. And it's and it's tough to get a ton of perspective for the speed of the game, the physicality of the game, and and relative to what each individual player is 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 playing at. But the stuff that Felix and those other guys are doing, 
you know, they're on the court, you know, sometimes literally on the court, uh, yeah. especially for the pregame stuff. The, again, the production value that goes into it, it is a different thing. But if you're buying that, if you're paying for that service, you're paying for, you're, you're, you're paying, it is the equivalent of a, of a photo album that my mom and my grandparents have stacks of for, for right. over the years. And now I've, since my mom's passed away, I've got stacks of them that, you know, I've got, I've got six photo albums that like, I haven't looked at in 40 years, but I'm not getting, I'm not getting rid of them because they're memories, you know, they're right. there. I don't, and I'll probably never look at them, but I'm not getting rid of them. Uh, you know, videos, if we had, if we had, um, we did have some home movies, those were fun, but of course they're, they're gone now because they're old film that's deteriorated and we never get changed over to digital but but the stuff they're doing that you if you're doing that you just you're doing it for the memories you're doing it for the keepsake you're doing it for the entertainment value and it is good and, and like you said the stuff with with that just ends up on twitter without even a prospect knowing about it or a player knowing about it that's their advertisement mm-hmm. that's their 30 seconds that's their 30 seconds of advertisement basically saying look this is what it could look like if you do it you know now you know the, obviously the videos you pay for are much longer so it's it's a much it's a much you know more involved process but you know again if you're talking about a recruiting situation the key there is send whole games either whole games on the whole just send them a link from huddle cuz i think most of these schools are involved in some sort of some sort of video service if they're not you need to freaking go to one that does <laughs> Um, and, and the other one is the other one that can be now is, is just clip every possession that you're involved in and, and let them know even the bad ones and you'll get, you'll get rid of some of the bad ones because you'll get rid of the ones where you don't produce a stat where you just kind of stand in the corner with your, with your thumb up your backside because you don't know what you're doing in a given possession. That's co- college coaches will never see that. But if you send them every possession that you stat on, including turnovers, you know, free throw misses, shot misses, you'll get a lot more of a reaction from coaches because they'll know that that's, that's a whole game they're looking at. They're not just looking at mom and dad or, or kid cherry picking all the good things. They're, you're, they're looking at a full game. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, which is kind of a, you know, let's, we can use Indiana rivals for an example. A lot of times we have like, you know, who Indiana's recruiting and stuff. We'll use Jalen Harrelson as an example. We've got highlight videos of that and stuff like that, but that's what, you know, our subscribers pay to see. And so right. they want to see the highlight videos and things like that. Um, for guys that aren't division one and stuff like that, like you just said, coaches want to see a full game and stuff. And I think this, I mean, it's kind of ironic. You would get, um, I think you'd get more respect from a coach or a scouting service or something like that. If you send them a full game of the things that you did well and the things that you did bad. Um, in that way, I mean, it's just going to serve you no point to uh, to send them a video of you dunking, of you having four threes or whatever, um, when you ha- also had ten turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just kind of lying to yourself, and you're lying to the people that you know you're, that are trying to help you and stuff. But yeah, look at highlight videos as kind of you know memories, like Jim just said. Um, you know, I still look at my highlights from when I played football and stuff like that. Um, you know, all the time when I'm on my, around my friends and stuff like that, and we're just kind of goofing around. Um, just don't expect it, those highlight videos to be a great recruiting tool. Um, if you can kind of accept that, then you'll be okay. 
I agree. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, I agree. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else there? I think those are the two main ones. I think we covered most of the ground he's looking for. Uh, but but for anybody that listens, and we'll we take ideas. We'll answer questions. We'll answer them on the podcast. We'll answer them via DMs. Uh, you can DM me at at Courtside Indiana or Courtside IND or J W R E A M E R. That's my personal one. And if you want to follow me and just get basketball, or if you want to follow us and just get basketball, do the courtside IND one. Uh, if you just beware that my personal Twitter account sometimes strays from <laughs> high school basketball <laughs> into lo- local politics and things like that. Um, and I've had some people DM me or message me say, I only quit stick to basketball. I only follow you for basketball I'm like well then here follow this follow this account right um but anyway kyler i appreciate you coming on uh tell them where they can find your work at yeah um of course i'm on twitter at kyler staley k-y-l-e-r-s-t-a-l-e-y that's pretty simple all lowercase find me on there and then of course you know i'm on prep hoops and everything i always have new articles throughout the week um you know now that kind of basketball's kind of slowed down um we'll just kind of be thinking of creative ways to get some you know different type of articles on there of course you can find brandon ramsey on there he's always got content up every every day and then of course i'm on if you're a big iu fan i'm on the uh, iu rivals website the it's called the hoosier.com um we do a great job of uh updating recruiting and stuff like that and we always have great stories on there um good opinion pieces good forum threads so you can always do that if you're a big indiana fan um like a lot of people are I'm on there as well. And if you don't know who I am on there, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I won't either. <laughs> you have to figure it out for yourself. I mean, I've had the name for freaking 25 years or tw- longer than that now. So it's it's not as if it's anything new. Uh, Box Out Sports is the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes this season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. I think they've started to add some video stuff on there too. Speaking of highlights, <laughs> um, that's it's uh, you know athletics directors use that, coaches can use that. I think parents can use that. I don't know, but uh, Zach points out that it's not just for basketball; it's for other sports too. So if you want to, you want a program or a club, take a look at Box Out Sports because it it can provide you some some outstanding tools to use. So Kyler, what do you got coming up this week? Anything basketball related? Uh, nothing basketball related going on. I mean, I've got a couple of articles uh, coming up this week for uh, at the Hoosier.com. Uh, tonight I'll be taking a look at uh, IU 2023 guard Gabe Cups. He'll be playing on ESPN against LeBron James son. So I'll be watching that. I'm sure that's I'll tonight. have a forum thread. That's tonight. Yep. It's on ESPN. So uh, that's at nine o'clock Eastern time. So, cool. um, but yeah, I'll be watching that. But other than that, I mean, it just kind of, you know, just kind of recap and taking a little break here, uh, yes. you know, so getting my mind straight and everything. Cause I've watched a bunch of kids for multiple times and stuff. So um, kind of got to, you know, decompress a little bit. So, but we'll hop in the basketball once, uh, you know, August camps and stuff get going. I'm definitely taking a break. I'm definitely, but I'm also part of that break is, taking everything I got in spreadsheets and putting them in databases. I'm not sure 
wise. <laughs> but it's been a weird, it's been a weird year. It's been 2022 has not been, not been a smooth year, but um, it's luckily we're still basketball and still trudging through everything. So absolutely. Everyone, thank you for listening to Courts in Indiana podcast. If you listen every week, we appreciate it. If not, please hit that subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate a rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter and Instagram at Courtside IND. That's Courtside IND on both Twitter and Instagram. And like Kyler said, really most of it's Twitter for us. Uh, so that's the best way to, to get a hold of us. So Kyler, appreciate it, man. We'll, um, I don't know. We'll figure out next week. We may not have an episode next week. Then, then we start leaning into the season and start looking at guys that uh, recruiting wise haven't um, probably start focusing on kids that don't have uh, their, their recruiting established. So going forward, but, but we may take a week off next week. Depends on, well, it depends on my travel schedule really is what it does. So, Wait, I'm always uh I'm always willing to come on when you need me. All right, Kyler, cool man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Later.